Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Uh, as you may know from our last episode, my friend Michael Eboff got married this weekend. And so we uh, send our best wishes to he and his wife, Emily. And while they're off being newlyweds right now, we have called in a pinch hitter. You know him from Lighthouse Hockey. You may know him from Twitter. You just may know him from being around because he's a great guy. He is our friend, Kerry Haber. Kerry, what's going on? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am very well, and uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, this uh, this is actually kind of the perfect time to get you on, uh, even if Mike were here, because uh, the Islanders have uh, played 49 games. I can't believe it. It's, it feels like the season's only half over, but it's actually more than half over. And uh, they're on this extended break right now with the uh, the All-Star game and the, uh, the bye week coming up. And so this is a great time to kind of, you know, stop, take a breath, especially after the last week, which we'll talk about in a second, <laughs> and, uh, and kind of get a look at at where the team is in terms of their, you know, numbers and, and stuff like that. And I know that, you know, just right now I could say by saying the word numbers, I can already see like eyes rolling out there. We're going to make this as palatable and as easy to digest as we possibly can, because this is all very important stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there are some good numbers in there and some good things that the team is doing. And uh, I know I'm as guilty as anybody of like, you know, they lose a couple of games, particularly to a certain team that resides in Manhattan. And all of a sudden we're like, Oh my God, these guys suck. They're never going to win another game again, but that's really not the case that now this is a team that has its problems, but there has been some good stuff actually happening even within those losses that they incurred over the last week. Right. 
Yeah, I, they've played relatively well over this this last stretch of, of a lot of games in a very short period of time. So in a lot of ways like that, those underlying numbers are a little bit better than I think we would have anticipated, especially given the fact that they played seven games in 11 nights. But like you said, there are some things that, whether it's fatigue or whether it's just the fact that it's hard for them to pull away from games in certain uh, moments, there have been some struggles that have come up and you know that's obviously brought them a little bit back towards the pack and I'm sure we'll get into that but you know overall I think things are pretty okay uh, as it stands right now yeah um if uh if you watch the uh the Barry Trotz post game press conferences and I know you did because we talked about it uh after that the game on Tuesday against the Rangers the one that the Islanders won it was it was pretty evident that this is a man that really really needs a few days off like he's normally a guy he's very calm he's very stoic he, you know whether win or lose he's always very kind of even keel this is a guy who is looking around and was really like, I need to get the hell out of here. I don't know if he had a plane to catch or something, but he's definitely a guy that I've seen that look on myself and my own friends at work and definitely on my wife's face when it's time, you know, to when you're getting closer to summer vacation. Um, and so I, I think there is a fatigue factor for everybody. And, and the Islanders have really had really just a crazy roller coaster of a season, uh, which we'll talk about overall in a second, but uh, they've had a really crazy co- roller coaster of a week. Uh, like you said, it was packed to the gills with games. Even Trot said, you know, they played five games in the span of seven days and and uh, six in you know or seven in nine nights or something like that. And it was crazy. That's that's a that's a crazy schedule for an for a NHL team. And you know, by the end of it, I mean they. It's funny that they they started with the worst game which was that 6-2 loss to the Rangers that they were never actually in. They were in for about 20 seconds, and then that was the end of it. Uh, and then they actually started playing better, um, but the wins didn't necessarily come. And in fact, they lost three straight games, once to the Rangers with 25 seconds to go, once to the Caps where they you know, blew a 3 nothing lead. I still can't believe that that actually happened. And then in a shootout loss to the Hurricanes. So let's start in the middle of the week because you've got that loss to the Rangers that was terrible. You've got that. Eight to two demolition of the Red Wings, which is exactly what you wanted to see. I know people are like, well, of course they're supposed to beat those games. No, I wanted to see them win that game eight to two. Literally, that's the score I wanted to see because you know that that was the right score. And that's the way you want to beat a team like that. So let's start with Wednesday's game against the Rangers, which was a much, much better showing, even if they came away without any points, really, because the whole thing fell apart kind of due to a penalty late in the third period. Yeah, that game was extremely intense from start to finish. And, you know, you get to the point where I think the Rangers took the lead in third period and and Anthony Beauvillier tied it, if I remember correctly. And then it was one of those games where the teams didn't stop playing. Like you see this in the NHL a lot where like you get to five minutes left in the third period and it's just kind of a game of ping pong at that point. (laughs) But both teams just kind of kept going at each other, which was interesting and different and you know unfortunately for the islanders Derek broussard took a penalty that was you know it probably was a penalty i think it was a situation where jesper foss went down probably a little bit too easily um but there were a couple of events before that that kind of led to a johnny boychuk iced the puck with about a minute and 15 seconds left and because of that they weren't allowed to change and that kind of set off a domino effect which led to the penalty um, and then Boychuk lost his man, Chris Kreider, on the goal. So, it, you know, it's one of those things, like, do you tie that? They were playing in their third game in four nights at that point. Is that a fatigue thing where it's just one of 
those like I, you know, a quick oopsie at the wrong time and it kind of just <laughs> fell apart from there. I mean, the game itself overall, it was a solid game for the Islanders. They had a, a, quite a few guys play really well, but you know, these games, especially when you get down the stretch and into the playoffs, they're, they're decided in the margins on these like quick instances. And, um, you know, for a long time, the Islanders have been on the better better side of those. Uh, it didn't happen on Thursday. But, you know, it, when you look at it, it's hard to look at it from an objective point of view, right? Because a loss like that is just so disheartening. I know. <laughs> period. Um, I think it was one of those losses where like everyone just like, was like okay, I gotta I gotta be done with this right now. Mm. Um, and but the overall body of work of the game, it was solid. And and the Rangers are playing better of late too. So you know I know where they are in the standings, but this isn't the team that at the beginning of the year was getting bludgeoned basically every night. Um, they've been really good of late. They have some really solid young players that are coming up. So to see the, to see the Islanders play them in in a scenario like that at home, well, I think was a much better outlook than what we saw at the Garden the first game on on Monday. Yeah, and it's very, actually, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's very similar to the loss against the Devils at the Coliseum, where you know you kind of saw where they were in the standings, and we're like, oh man, the Islanders should kick these guys' asses. But this was after the coaching change and Mackenzie Blackwood had really settled down into the sort of starting goalie position. And uh, that team was playing very well. <laughs> they still were. I mean, they they came to the Islanders kind of hot and and gave the Islanders a, a real good showing and you know in that game. And then the Islanders came back and won in Jersey in overtime again in a, a game that, you know, they, they had to play very well in order to, you know, fight back. Uh, a pretty darn good team. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that game, yeah, it's to play well for 58 minutes and then, you know, go Keystone cops in the last two is not good. Um, but you, you, who you lost, the team you lost to plus the guy who scored the goal just made it seem much, much worse. And so, you know, it was kind of hard to take away the, the good points of that, of that game, but they really did. I mean, and the fact that they turned it around, you know, I mean, yeah, they got their, you know, butts beaten in three days earlier, but then to come out and like, you know, really take it to them uh, and play this kind of intense game is, is a good sign. And, you know, things felt pretty good, I guess, maybe going into Saturday's game and then a very similar, but also equally as awful thing happened where they played lights out for two periods. And Arthur Staple on his podcast was like, you know, that the caps looked like they were already on vacation at that point. Um, and then the third period, they came out and they woke up. Yes, Devon Taves did this thing. No, that wasn't why they lost. All of a sudden, the Islanders forgot how to clear the zone. That's why they lost. And they had yep. Josh Bailey had a turnover. A bunch of guys turned the puck over. They all ended up in, in, in the back of their net. And again, the Islanders left, you know, with a kick in the nuts against a team you hate to lose to. Um, but again, there were two good periods in there. And so how do you reconcile that? Do you look at the two good periods versus the one bad period? I don't know. It's uh, it's was that kind of week and it was really no fun at all. <laughs> I guess right. I'm trying to I, say. Yeah. And, you know, I love their response, right? Like they came out, they went down early, but they came back and they had a great second period. Um, and so when you look at it from that perspective, you're like, hey, this is this is a really good way to get over that game against the Rangers but then the third period happened and to your point it's like it's really hard to reconcile that relative especially because again they lost in regulation with just a couple of minutes to go in the game and they didn't really threaten much uh with the empty empty net situation before Ovechkin scored so yeah and and it, it kind of again kind of makes you think about and I know we'll get into this with scoring later but when it's 4-1 
you're, you know, you're feeling good, obviously. But when the Capitals make it 4-3 and Barry Trotz calls timeout, mm. for the next six minutes after that, the Islanders were outstanding. They had multiple chances against Samsonov. Uh, all of the lines were going, but it, it, it's that, that pesky thing that they are missing. It's the guy that can make a play and score, right? Like they, they don't have that guy other than Matthew Barzell, who really is more of a playmaker than he is a scorer, despite the amount of goals that he has. And, and, and Brock Nelson isn't that guy that can really do it himself. He's a fantastic scorer, but he, uh, he's a positional player that is, you know, half court guy that gets into the right places at the right time. And so when you miss that guy and you go on the six minute run and you can't put the puck in, the TV timeout happens and then Washington comes right back. And, and obviously they, they really took control after that and ultimately scored the two goals. So um, th- that game to me was more about, uh, yes, the defense broke down and that is their identity and that is a problem, but it's a problem that you can get over because of the overall body of work. When you get into a game like that, you need to kind of adapt to the situation. And I'm not clear right now that there's enough shooting talent on the team to be able to do that. And that obviously kind of plays into what their overall needs are at this point. Yeah, definitely. And and that theme carried over into the next game, which was the Carolina game. And and I thought they that was probably the best of all of them, to be honest with you. I from my eyes anyway, they the first was pretty even, but from and I was like, oh god, here we go. But um, the second and third periods and the overtime, I thought the Islanders looked like the Islanders. I mean, they were they were getting their high danger chances. They looked pretty good. And they just like you said, they just couldn't put the puck in the net. And I know, you know, James Reimer is not a guy who anybody thinks of as very good, but he he has had OK numbers this year. And, uh, you know, the Carolina goaltending has been been pretty good in general. And like you said, I mean, it's the exact same problem. They just don't have one guy or two guys, better still, that can just come down the ice and make a play happen. I mean, they have Barzell, obviously, and, and a good example of what he can do was the next night to skip ahead against the Rangers. Awesome power play goal with you know, Anthony Beauvillier. He kind of curled around, found Beauvillier trailing all alone in the in the slot, and he just scored. Like, that's the kind of play you wish they would make all the time. And if it does happen, the roster just doesn't have that many guys on it. Like, yeah, Beauvillier scored that goal, but he also went 20 games without a goal or whatever it was. Josh Bailey had a very, very long drought. Jordan Everly, who we're going to talk about a lot in a little bit, has had a season-long drought. <laughs> and so that that kind of is where it comes down to. And I don't want people to think, you know, I'm looking for for only the good parts because there there were good parts, but it always comes back to the same thing. They just It, it takes so much for them to score a goal that – that's where this team's huge weakness lies and they're going to need to fix it if they're going to first of all make the playoffs and then do any damage in the playoffs if they get there yeah the the one thing that i'll call out from the carolina game because i agree from start to finish they played a very very solid game uh and when you get to a 65 minute tie you know obviously the shootout kind of is what it is especially against a team that you've been not playing well against for a long time you know (laughs) yes exactly what i loved about that game specifically was after the game their body language was a lot more positive than it had been i think in since before the ranger game they were all very upbeat they all kind of recognized that that was kind of I, i don't know if it was a turning point it reminded me actually a lot of earlier in the season when they were in carolina the first time and they kind of got bludgeoned and they all were like no we actually played a really good game and that that next game started the 15-0-2 streak. Right. 
Um, I'm not saying that will happen again, but I felt very uh, similar vibes coming from the post game in terms of just the way that they were talking and the way that they felt about how they played. I mean, in this game, it actually bore out in the numbers. They did play a very good game. Um, so that I that I think left a lot of reason for optimism going into uh, Tuesday's Ranger game. And um, obviously we know how, how that went. So um, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot to like from, from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, they went up for nothing and it looked like they were going to throw it away with another late power play, but uh, they ended up holding things down and, and getting things uh, in, in place. And a key member we've, we haven't really talked about, we're talking about scoring a lot and defense, but we haven't really talked about goaltending. Uh, Thomas Grice was phenomenal in, in that most recent game against the Rangers. He made 40 saves. Um, and, you know, Varlamov had played in, well, Grice played in Carolina, of course, because he always plays in Carolina. And uh, Varlamov was on the hook for, unfortunately, that that game against Washington. Uh, but Grice was phenomenal in the game against the Hurricanes. And it seems like after a couple of weeks in the woods, Grice may be now the number one guy. He's trending sort of like to be like, yeah, we should play this guy a little bit more. Whereas, you know, for most of the season, it had been Varlamov. Um, and, uh, you know, that gets to another kind of weakness of the Islanders, too. And, and uh, Dom uh, at the Athletic, a, a guy who has really not done himself a whole lot of favors in uh, in the eyes of the, <laughs> the Islanders fan base. But you got to give him credit when when credit is due sometimes. And he wrote in his 16 stats today over there um, that the Islanders do miss Adam Pellick, which is true, which we talked about. But, um, you know, the other thing, too, is that their system is predicated on goalies making, you know, a lot of saves. And, you know, as much as they're shots from the outside, they're still shots and they can still get in. And a couple of more had been sneaking in recently than had been last year uh, around the same time. And so, uh, you know, that that kind of accounts for some of these late losses or, you know, blown power play. Their penalty kill hasn't really been that great. Um, but at the, at the same time, Eric Hornick had a thing the other day about how they're really only a point off of where they were at this time last year. And I think it just feels weird because the Islanders had this 17 game unbeaten streak and then all of a sudden have kind of been in the weeds a little bit for the last two months. Um, so, Looking at the season overall, um, what's your takeaway from, again, there's sort of um, underlying stats, um, you know, in terms of expected goals for, which is the the new thing now. It had been very good during the streak. Then it had gotten pretty bad. Now it's back to being pretty good again, right? Yeah, that's basically the story. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster in terms of their rolling, (laughs) rolling performance uh, over like three segments of the season, but right now they are starting to play well again. Uh, I, I think it's it's a it's been a very weird season in a lot of ways, just because of how the the records have played out. Where the beginning of the season, I think they started like sixteen three and three, uh, including the streak. So you know they were never going to play at that pace for the remainder of the season. But um, I do think their their pace in terms of actual standings points is a little bit lower than. Uh, what they maybe deserve when you look at the overall body of work. Um, that said, they're about middle of the league in terms of expected goals. And I do agree with what Dom said uh, when it comes down to goalies making saves. And I think one of the most interesting aspects about the entire way that the season has looked, and you know, I, I wouldn't claim that there's any causation here, but something that I've noticed is around the time that uh, Semyon Varlamov really started to play a lot more games than Thomas Grice was kind of the beginning of when we started to see a little bit of, of cracks in terms of uh, wins and, and 
their overall performance. Um, I do wonder in this time of what I assume to be some reflection on how the first half went, if Barry Trotz goes back and kind of reconsiders uh, maybe there's a little bit of overuse on Varlamov, who generally before this last week had an outstanding first half. His safe percentage was well over 920. I said multiple times he probably could have been an all-star. Yeah, um, for but sure. Th- this this week kind of <laughs> took his stats down quite a bit. And, you know, Varlamov has never been a guy that has really played a ton of games, at least not recently in Colorado. And I do wonder if there's a little bit of overwork there, especially given because their schedule in January has been very hectic. Um, so I do wonder if they're going to, coming out of this break, start to go back to a little bit more of a rotation between the two goalies. Because um, when you look at the actual results, Grice's metrics are, are better at this point. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily know if that's an indicator of just the, the amount of work or if it's an actual skill thing or it, it could just be a little bit of both. So, you know, I, and I'm, I'm harping on this because it, their system is so predicated on getting quality goaltending. And, um, you know, I called this out a couple of weeks ago, I think, but Robin Leonard basically last year from start to finish was elite in every sense of the word. And this year that hasn't been the case, right? There's been a couple of ebbs and flows that have gone on while Varlamov has been in the crease. And there's a very noticeable difference between elite and very good when you talk about that position. And that has impacts because yes, I know they're, like you said, their standings record is about the same, but so much of it is, and the feeling around things can be dictated by how your goalies are playing. Even if the goals aren't Varlamov's, Varlamov's fault per se, um, these are saves that when you have elite goaltending, they're being made. And for a long time, that just wasn't happening for them. So um, the way I look at it is you don't want to focus too much on the defense because the team really obviously does have some scoring issues. They're not close to the top of the league in terms of scoring. Um, but if if defense and goaltending are going to be your identity, then you need to at least be maximizing that. And their goal differential doesn't really dictate that, despite the fact that they haven't scored a lot. So if that's going to be the case, then you absolutely do need to supplement on the goals for side, the offense side. Um, otherwise, it's a really fragile thing where if the goaltending does collapse for another period of time, that's going to have a lot of impact on the standings. And obviously, given where things stand, they can't really afford that at this point. Right. Their their goal differential right now, as we speak here on Thursday, the 23rd, is plus 11, which isn't terrible. But of the uh, teams, uh, you know, in the top uh, half of the or the eight uh, playoff spots here, that's the second worst. The Blue Jackets are, are plus eight. Uh, as far as goals against, they have given up 132, which is second in the league uh, behind uh, Dallas's 120. And it's funny that you mentioned, like, you know, things seem to kind of change a little bit when Varlamov started, you know, playing more more games. But uh, I I was reminded that you you were kind of like, you know, when they were announcing the 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 playoff the uh, All Star game participants and you know the guys obviously like starting to drop out because of injury and stuff like that. And you had mentioned Varlamov's numbers, and I think that might have been the week that they played the Predators and they lost you know, eight to two or eight to three or whatever it was. Then they followed it up with a six, five loss to Anaheim and then they lost, you know, and so there went the numbers. <laughs> I was just like, well, there right. goes your, your Jennings trophy. There goes your goal differential. There goes everything because, you know, you get one, eight, three loss and your whole season, especially for these guys. But you know, when, when you're talking about a sport in which 
one goal makes an enormous difference. You know, the, the Islanders beat the Colorado Avalanche one nothing. Like they, that was the highest scoring team in the league. They beat them one nothing. Like that's crazy. They only took one goal. You know, this is a big deal. And so, uh, yeah, it is funny. You don't think like you know, you think elite and very good might be kind of the same thing, but they are most definitely not. Uh, and uh, yeah, I you know, uh, Grice is also sort of a weird. He's such a weird guy because he's just so calm and and. We don't really think about we take him for granted a little bit. His next win will be his 100th as an Islander. And I think at some point, I think he needs like 10 more to end up like third overall or fourth overall behind, you know, Smith, Resch, uh, DiPietro, and that's it. And that's pretty remarkable for a guy who was signed as a backup and, you know, has gone through stretches where he wasn't very good, but then he went through stretches where he was very good. So we'll have to see. But um, in terms of, of offense, like I said, we're going to talk a lot about more about offense in the second half because – uh, we have some trade possibilities to discuss. Um, yeah, the, the big thing is just they don't have those kind of game breakers. And I don't want to put all of it on Jordan Eberle because he's he's signed here. He's a likable guy. But his shooting percentage this year is absolutely garbage. And he's shooting less than half of what he normally is. And it's not like he's not getting into those same areas. He is. Uh, he's, they're just not going in for him. And especially on the power play where, you know, the Islanders have gotten no opportunities. Um, I mean, is he's he's got to be a candidate for like a bounce back, you know, final stretch run here. But I mean, at this point, is it safe to say that? I mean, is it possible that this could be just a write off season for him? I mean, it's been going on for a long time now. Uh, shooting percentage is so fickle in every sense because it's it's so hard to predict. I mean, when you look at the metric, the best way to look at it is to look at the player's career average and then look at the season average and say, okay, if we assume that this player will shoot his career average for the rest of the season, then you will likely see a bit of a bounce back, even if the end total doesn't amount to what his career average is. And I would say that's that's fair for Eberle, because, especially because he is still getting into those areas. He leads the team in expected goal share. Uh, he's playing in top six role. He's playing top power play. He's getting his shots. I, I don't see anything noticeable or noticeably different in his actual game. The only concern, and we're not going to know this for some time, but the only concern would be if there is an, a tangible drop in his actual shooting talent. Uh, that would be something that would impact his career or his seasonal shooting percentage. But we would see that over a longer stretch of time than just this 30 or so games that he's played. Um, and because of that, it's really hard to say. But I, I do think from as far as him being an offensive contributor for this team, he's doing a lot. He's doing a lot of playmaking this year. Uh, he's putting he's setting putting the puck in the right spots for, for guys to capitalize on, even though he's not scoring. So I, I know it's frustrating. He just signed a, a bit of a big deal, but uh, his game has been solid. It really has been. And honestly, I think, you know, if he had potted a couple of more of those goals, we would be talking about him as a candidate for, I don't know if you want to call it kind of like the Adam Pellick award for the most <laughs> underrated, um, but he'd be right there. So it, it's tough because we're, we can be very results oriented in how we look at these guys, right? Like if they're, mm -hmm. especially when they're getting paid a lot of money, if they're not scoring goals that, you know, is that a, a problem? Uh, yes, it is obviously because production needs to be tied to the, the amount of cap space that you're using, but there's a lot of contextual reasons behind that. And I think that's the case with Everly right now. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of the same with Anders Lee, who again is, is not really being helped I mean, he's playing on the power play. I mean, you can't have an Islanders power play without an Anders Lee out there. But, like, you know, even when they get, like, 
you know, three power play chances a game, that won't happen again for another week. And so, you know, their numbers, the power play has been sort of middle of the pack all year, which in a way is kind of fine. But, you know, we only get two cracks or one crack or no cracks. It's kind of hard to put pucks in the net. And but at the same time, like he's had a couple of really good games lately. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, whoa, Lee has 15 goals with I get 30 some odd games to go. And it's like, this guy has an outside shot now at another 30 goal season, which would really be something. And, but it doesn't feel like it's a, he's going to have a 30 goal season because, you know, again, this team scoring goals is, is really, um, you know, kind of like drawing blood from a stone. And I guess the reason we focus so much on them is because, well, I shouldn't say that. Like a lot of the focus of the, of the lack of offense comes from, the bottom couple of lines, guys that don't really score that much, guys like Michael Dow Cole and Leo Komarov. And, you know, Derek Broussard was doing fine when he was when he was a winger on the Nelson Bovillier line, but he's kind of dried up too. Um, you know, Sezikis has nine goals and could end up with another 15 for the season, which would be great. But, you know, again, he, you know, he's like the fourth line guy. Uh, Clutterbuck is hurt and wasn't really scoring much beforehand. And Matt Martin is Matt Martin. So, like, you're those six guys right there really don't, do a lot of scoring. And so on one hand, you could be angry that they're there because they need to upgrade there. But at the same time, the top six guys really, in some cases, weren't pulling their weight. Again, Bailey Bovillier had long stretches without goals, and Lee has finally turned it around and has gotten, I think he won 11 games, right, without a goal. And uh, Barzell is Barzell, obviously, and then there's Eberle. So, you know, it's got to come from somewhere. And and part of me wonders... um, if Lou Lamorello was just sort of waiting for it to, to happen. But, you know, as we, we kind of talked about it a little earlier today, like Lou in his career has not been the kind of guy to just sort of sit and wait. Uh, he's usually a guy who kind of makes things happen and, and hasn't shown a ton of patience in his career, particularly with the devils. And, you know, but still we're only, we only have one trade with, you know, as far as the Islanders go. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, we talked about Everly, but like, is it possible that, some of these other guys can turn around and, and, you know, make hay, so to speak, towards the end of the season. Or again, the same question. Are they just kind of are what they are at this point and, and they need to upgrade those bottom lines if they need to go, if they plan on going anywhere. I think they generally are what they are, which is probably not the answer that everyone wants to yeah. hear. But um, yeah, I mean, when you look at their that their production and, and tied to their career totals, I mean, it's pretty much on par with what they do. I, I think the biggest issue here is a roster construction issue where the team is so reliant on these guys who are traditionally 50, 55 point scorers with, and then Barzell to carry a team to be okay from an offensive perspective. And if one or two things break, which has kind of been the case with Lee and Eberly for a lot of this season, uh, it's going to look really bad. And, and that's what we're seeing right now because they don't have any real tertiary options, uh, guys that have can put up 35 to 40 points a season that can kind of pick their weight for a couple of games at a time if they need to. Um, they're so reliant on, on all these guys producing all of the time. And while they're all their top six, generally very good players, but they aren't the type of players that can take over a game. And when you become uh, too dependent on them to do that, you can start to feel because there's also dynamics that are taking place off the ice too. These guys know that they are 
they have one goal in 12 games. Like they, they're very <laughs> aware that they're not scoring. And so, you know, slumps are, they have an impact, right? Like you start to feel it, you start to grip the stick a little bit tighter. Um, you know, obviously I haven't played at any high level, but when you listen to these guys speak, um, and if you played any sort of competitive sports, you know that there's a, a whole mental side of it um, that could be an issue there too. So I think, you know, when it comes to Lamorello and what he's doing, it has to be a consideration. Um, I, I, one of the things that hap- it's happened recently uh, has been the signing of Ilya Kovalchuk in Montreal. And, you know, that's a bit of a wild card. But when you look at what he's done in that period of time, you do have to wonder is, is like, hey, would that have been worth a shot at league minimum? what's the worst that happens? He's not good. Mm. Like then what you're, you, you have options there too. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not here to be like, you know, Lou didn't do this or Lou didn't do that. But I do think it's fair to to say, you know, it's been 18 months since there's been any trade. Um, there has, there has not been a lot of turnover over the summer. So these guys kind of are where they are at this point. And I do think it is fair to question, say, where are the opportunities where this team can get better offensively. And I do think it's fair to look back and say, okay, have there been opportunities that we've missed? And if that's the case, why? And what can we do to get better? And I'm, I'm sure Lamorello and his staff are doing that. Um, but it is something to think about, you know, as they move forward, especially heading into deadline season. So two things I want to say, though, before we go to break. Uh, one, I, I don't know if Ilya Kovalchuk would have signed here. I get what you're saying, and maybe they tried. I don't know. But I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling he would have been like, how many arenas are you guys playing in these days? Yeah, no, that's okay. I'm done. I'm good. Uh, sure. It's also funny that we we, uh, we we just spent a half hour like picking over a team that, as of right now, is fifth in the entire NHL in points. <laughs> they have more points than uh, all every team in the Western Conference except for the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they're actually fourth in the Eastern Conference right now. So it's just been a weird season, you know. It's just such a weird season that they do so many right things. They didn't get there by accident. They they can do a lot of right things, and then they can also do a lot of. Wrong things, too. Uh, And we're going to talk about some possible fixes uh, on the other side of the break. So uh, join us then, won't you? It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our sponsor, as always, is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can buy T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Uh, they have Las Vegas Thunder. They have Long Island Ducks. They have New England Whalers. They have great stuff. They got Capital District Islanders now. It's amazing. If you use light, the code Lighthouse15, you can save 15% off your order. They also have our Lighthouse Hockey t-shirts, Isles Buzz t-shirts. And if you buy either Lighthouse Hockey t-shirt or uh, use the uh, the code, you can uh, donate uh, our portion to the Center for Dementia Research. So you should do that. VintageIceHockey.com. Uh, it's cool. And Valentine's Day is coming up and you never know. Somebody might want something from there. So order today. Uh, so 
Arthur Staple put out an article today about the Islanders trade board, uh, you know, guys that could potentially be targets for the Islanders. Now, you know, in fairness to art and in fairness to us, nobody has any idea what Lou Lamarello is ever going to do. So this is almost kind of a part of me feels like this is kind of a wasted exercise for us to even talk about this. But as we just established, this team needs something. They need something to goose, not just their scoring, but sort of read to energize, you know, re-energize their, their play and, and find guys that are, are going to, you know, help the play fit into their system while at the same time also augmenting the scoring that they're lacking. And a lot of these guys are kind of the, you know, people that have come up before JG Paggio obviously is kind of the, uh, the uh, cream of the crop of the unrestricted free agents for everybody. Uh, Tyler Toffoli's come up a few times. Um, you know, Tyler Ennis is a guy I think we talked about before. Cause uh, you know, he's just, He's always available, <laughs> let's be honest. And he could really help them, but he doesn't really score that much. Ily Kovalchuk was one that we just talked about. Um, but uh, one guy, uh, Chris Kreider, he, he ain't coming here, so forget him. But one guy that we that Arthur brought up that I hadn't really thought about was Craig Smith, who was a Nashville Predator. Uh, he looked pretty good when the Islanders played him the other day. And, um, you know, he's he's got um, five 20-goal seasons to his name. Um, Trotz kind of knows him a little bit from his time in Nashville. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who can play and could probably fit into the Islander system and may not even cost that much. The problem is the Predators still think they can make the playoffs. So that's kind of a problem. And, uh, you know, the other problem, too, is what are the, what is going to how much are these guys going to cost the Islanders? And Smith is a guy you could probably get for a draft pick. But again, assuming that the Predators are out of it. Um, but, you know, in terms of like trading bodies for other bodies is, you know, you and I seem to disagree in that you think the Islanders um, could probably find some takers for some of their players and like make a hockey trade, I guess, so to speak, right? Like that, that is possible for somebody, you know, for them to trade, I don't know, Michael Dalcole or whatever, but do you think they would have to trade somebody in their top six perhaps? I don't think so. I think realistically the things that and and again, we're not talking about the top guys of the class, right? Like when we t- when we move off the Pajos and the Tafolis, we're looking at guys that you might be able to slide in there. There's less suitors for them, so in theory, the cost would be less for them. Um, I know in 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 uh, Arthur's piece, there was a lot of conversation about uh, second round picks, third round picks, mm-hmm. kind of mid tier prospects. I think if you can center a package around that for one of these guys, um, that's the kind of deal I'd be looking at right now. The, the one the one caution is of course about the first round pick mm. um, and it's a tough one right like there's a lot of downside for trading the first round pick if you're not basically completely certain that you're going to make the playoffs and right now I don't think the the Islanders are in a place where they can feel completely certain about that certainly not in a, in a place where uh, they should be trading it for a guy that would be a marginal upgrade offensively uh, if things change in a month and they're looking really great, I think the first round pick should absolutely be on the table, but to say that it's on the table at all costs right now seems a little bit reckless. So focusing in on that kind of mid tier guys, again, I, I, you know, of course an impact player is something that we all want. It's something that I think they generally need, but I don't think it's like the minimally viable thing that they need. I just think they need a couple of guys that can essentially put up half a point a game on the third line and can just be a stabilizing force for those guys in the top six. Cause I think that would alleviate a lot of the pressure probably alleviate some of the pressure that Matthew Barzell feels. Uh, and so striking deals in that Craig Smith tier, uh, I think makes a lot of sense for them right now. And I don't think it would require a, a crazy amount of assets 
uh, to accomplish either. Yeah, you bring up a good point that you know now is not the trade deadline. The trade deadline is, I think, at the end of February, right? So, so they, they do have you know they can strike well you know early, and you know it would not be unusual for Lou Lamorello to have to call somebody on his vacation and be like, hey, by the way, yeah, I just traded you to some godforsaken place someplace else. Um, but they do have some time, and they doesn't mean they can't get somebody now or later. But there is some time to to decide what to do and, and how to do it. The Islanders did finish their pro scouting meetings recently. So my feeling is that they've probably had this same exact conversation <laughs> with themselves uh, very recently and maybe have a plan going forward as to what they want to do. Um, another guy uh, on that sort of Craig Smith tier is Andre Kasha uh, of the Anaheim Ducks. Previous 20-goal scorer, uh, Arthur Wright said uh, he reportedly hasn't been a fit with Dallas Aikens out there. That would be the kind of guy you can slot in in a bunch of different places. You know, I, I think he could fit in either next to Barzell or maybe, you know, on a line with Nelson or something like that. Uh, I hadn't thought about him. And then sort of not in the piece, but uh, is reported elsewhere. Um, Michael Russo, who covers the Minnesota Wild, has uh, come out and said that maybe Eric Halla might not be fitting in too well in Carolina. Now, I don't think the Hurricanes would ever trade with a team they could potentially play in the playoffs. So I don't think Howell is a possibility, but he again is the kind of guy who, who would probably f- check a lot of boxes. You know, he's not a star. He's not like a, you know, a guy who's going to go out and, and score 30 goals, but they don't really need that right now. They just need a guy who can pot a couple, you know, every once in a while. And, and like you said, take pressure off of, of the top guys and, you know, kick in a goal every once in a while, which is really what they need. And, you know, if he was available, he's the exact, again, the kind of guy who probably would not, cost that much neither would kasha or neither would smith really for that matter yeah and and all especially andre kasha who's basically the epitome of an anal, quote analytics darling <laughs> these days so i am all for that <laughs> um but yeah the, and and hall is too i mean both of those guys to your point they're they're solid players that are kind of the quote middle six type that we don't hear about too much because everything is so interchangeable and the way that the Islanders construct their team, it's top six, bottom six. And that's kind of a black and white thing that they've used over the last couple of years. But I do think those quote middle six players would be really helpful for them. And when you do look at the, at guys like that, um, who again, shouldn't break the bank in terms of assets and should give them, you know, should a deal happen, should give them a lot, uh, a lot less fragility in their lineup from top to bottom. Uh, the the other thing that I do want to talk about is is the defense on this too, because Noah Dobson is not playing a lot of minutes, and we are getting to the point in the season where there's a lot of games upcoming again after the break, so there should be some sort of conversation in terms of, you know, what's the plan here? Is Dobson ready for more minutes? Certainly the numbers would argue they are, but, you know, again, it's important to remember he's a 20-year-old kid. Putting him in, in in a position against a lot higher quality of competition might be a lot for him to handle, and I think Barry Trotz has earned more than enough trust in his decision-making here. So if he is going to be in that eight-minute range against, you know, quality teams or in big games, I do think they're going to need a left-handed defenseman to kind of stabilize uh, their pairings because the other thing that they're doing right now is they don't really have pairings. They just have five guys that they're rotating. Um, and that has, I think, caused a lot of the some of the confusion that we've seen in the defensive zone recently because guys are playing – a lot of right-handed guys are playing on the left side and guys are playing with different players. So there's not that – Barry Trotz likes to say there's not a lot of repeatability in their game right now because they're just playing with everyone. Um, so I do – and I know Arthur called out uh, Andy Green – as I think the top one, you know, Andy Green is, is 
nothing special at this point, but he can play some minutes. And I think that's kind of the thing that they need. So again, when we talk about a fourth round, fifth round pick for a guy that can come in and play 15 to 18 minutes on the left-hand side, I think that would actually be very beneficial for them just to create some stability back there, which they don't have right now. Yeah. You know, we're generally so focused. And when I say we, I mean me and just about everybody else uh, are so focused on goals that I completely hadn't thought about the Islanders have you know needing to go out and get a defenseman or, or even think about going to get a defenseman at the deadline uh green is one guy now green has an expiring contract he can't, can't play the left side funny thing about andy green so he's been with the devils for so long that i just kind of assumed that he was on one of their stanley cup winning teams even maybe like as a rookie or something like that turns out i was wrong and this poor guy has <laughs> has played for the Devils as as a dutiful soldier for a very long time, and he's their captain. He's been their captain for a long time, and he's presided over some of the worst Devils teams since the team moved from Colorado back in the early '80s. So that's a good thing, I guess. He's a pretty loyal guy. <laughs> he could have left any time, but I was like, oh man, that poor guy. I feel bad for him. Like I thought he, you know, he would have been part of like the good Devils teams, but I guess not. He was okay. He obviously, went to the finals with them uh, in. 2012 but where they lost to the kings but uh that seemed to be a bit of an outlier now but uh yeah you know i never really th- <laughs> funny also another funny thing about andy green is uh, i watched him fight brock nelson once at barclay center so i don't know if anybody else was at that game and i remember and i was like andy green fighting with two guys who the who why are these guys fighting anyway so that would be an interesting locker room conversation but yeah no that would he would be one thing and i don't think he would cost that much again it's not an expiring contract um, which is, I think would be the way that the Islanders would go if they did get a defenseman because they do have Adam Pellick. He's hurt. He's going to come back. They have guys like Sebastian Ajo, uh, who, you know, was sent back down to play at the AHL All-Star game. They have Mitch Vandesample, who's been hurt this whole time. They had Bodie Wild, who's been hurt for a long time. So, I mean, they have defensemen in the system. Uh, they don't really need a permanent one. Uh, Brendan Dillon is another one that, that Arthur brought up. was another UFA, another lefty, a um, little bit younger than Andy Green and might be in in – demand uh somehow old old sharks defensemen always end up on the flyers and vice versa so i can kind of see that happening um but uh yeah you know i hadn't thought about it but arthur makes a compelling case that yeah they're probably gonna go out and go to get a defenseman so i mean it, it, you might as well brace yourself for it now but uh maybe they could work out something with the kings and get like alec martinez and tyler Toffoli for something i don't know right but, uh yeah i hadn't thought about it but yeah you, you bring up a good point like they do kind of need it's- that it's just one of those things like where, I mean, if you remember in the Capitals uh, Islander series in 2015, game six and seven, they, and because half their defense got taken out, yeah. they ended up playing a defense of like Brian Strait, Matt Donovan, you know, Scott Mayfield as a rookie. It was just kind mm-hmm. of a mess. And when you, again, we talk about fragility, they're one injury away from a third pairing of Sebastian Ajo and Noah Dobson, which on paper sounds great. But when you get into a playoff series, you know, are you going to trust them to play? a minimal amount of minutes and if not that's going to put a lot of strain on some other guys when we talk about adrian O'Coin, kenny Janssen, right. roman hammer like type minutes and that takes especially in today's game that takes a toll on players and it's not something that you know you can really count on so just to kind of give yourself a little bit of cushion some buffer uh heading into a playoff stretch i think it would be a, a really smart acquisition uh for them to acquire a defenseman yeah uh thomas hickey also hurt which has really sucked <laughs> for the man and for the team you know i mean this is a guy who could have been called up and it would have been no problem and unfortunately you know he's been hurt he, i think he said 
three injuries, maybe two of them concussions this year. And it's just been probably the worst professional career, this guy's career. And it's, it's really a shame because, you know, they could use him. I mean, you know, very few teams can call up a Thomas Hickey from the AHL and the Islanders had that opportunity. And unfortunately uh, it got lost. So yeah, lots to see and, and think about Uh, again, they do have off for the next week and uh, you know, maybe one of these guys ends up playing for them on February 1st (laughs) when they resume play uh, in an afternoon game against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, The all-star game is this week. Matt Barzell is obviously there uh, for the Islanders. Oh, I guess, I guess we got to talk about, you know, Barzell was benched for the third period of that Rangers game. Trotz was like, he knows what he did. And today uh, talking with uh, Laura Albanese of Newsday, Barzell was like, Barry's right. I put the team in a bad position. I mean, you know, I, I uh, put them in a position to give up a goal. He's the guy and I, I got to listen to him and I'm trying to work at it. And all he's saying all the right things. We love this guy. Uh, and so uh, we could all stop talking about it now. Um, <laughs> is there, did you have something to say about it? Or I don't know if there uh, was, was no, your that, take on that, it? that, no, that, that all sounds <laughs> great. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, he, the, there are a couple of instances in, in the Carolina game. Uh, I, I kind of, I even tweeted, I think he made kind of a, a weak play. We think he was sick though, right? Line. Like he didn't look like himself in that game. He he didn't. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, Trot said that this was something that had been kind of, you know, mm. it, you know, festering for a little. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think it's, it obviously sends a message not to him, but I do think for the, the majority of the team, which is like, Hey, when we get back, we got to, you know, get back to the way that we do things. So, mm. I mean, he obviously took it in stride. I don't see, I don't think this is a big deal at all. <laughs> I, I will say one thing. I, I absolutely hate, 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 hate. One of the things I, I, I hate the most is when people compare current Islanders to the dynasty Islanders. But unfortunately I am going to do that right now. And if you're an old guy like me, or if you've read a lot of old stuff, you remember that Al Arbor used to write Dennis Potvan, a lot. <laughs> I mean, a lot, uh, because he knew that Dennis was for a while there, the team's best player and he could take it. And he knew that he had to get through to him. And so he would bench him or argue with him or fight with him or whatever. And, you know, I'm sure Dennis Potvan at some point was like, you know what? He made me a better player. So it's funny when these things kind of happen and you're like, you know, it's really not that big a deal. And then when Barzell like throws cold water on it and he makes it even seem like an even smaller deal, but I do find it kind of funny that that happened. Um, so this weekend, Barzell is going to be playing for the uh, Metro team. He, uh, he played with Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang last time. I don't think either of those guys are playing in this game, so that's probably not going to happen. Letang definitely isn't. Uh, so we'll see who he's on the line with. He is also t- partaking in the faster skater competition, which is Friday night. Uh, the day you're listening to this, um, it's him and let's see, three, uh, eight other guys. Two of them are Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. So good luck, Matthew. That's <laughs> all I'm gonna say uh, against those guys. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. And you know, don't hurt your groin. Please don't get hurt. Oh my God, that's I. Thank you. I completely forgot. Please, as I always say when these things happen, do not get hurt. That's the number one thing. I don't care if he comes back a minus 50 in the, that game. It's fine. Don't get hurt. Uh, so uh, with that, you know, talking about Islanders all-stars, uh, I wanted to, you know, we wanted to do the, uh, he was an Islander for this week. I, I asked Carrie if he had somebody in mind and he came up with the perfect answer, a guy who we don't talk about enough on this show, it's, which is weird considering it's Mike and I all, all the time, but uh, he was an all-star and his name is Matthew Schneider. And he played for the Islanders and about 12 other teams in his career. 21 years. Go figure. And uh, yeah, he was an Islander all-star. He was an Islander. Obviously, we all remember him. When, I, when was he an all-star? Let me go. Let me find it here. 
it, it was uh, it, it was the first year I, I watched the team. It was 95-96. That's, that's why I remember this. 1996 NHL All-Star <laughs> game. Very good. Yeah, he was an Islander. And uh, let's see. Who else was on that 96 All-Star team? Ray Bo- Raymond Bork. Uh, Eric Desjardins. Personal favorite of mine. Ron Francis, of course. The Hammer. Roman Hammerlick. Was this the one in San Jose? Oh, maybe. Because this was um, like the peak... 90s like the green eastern conference jersey i think and like the, the oh, maroon man, you know so yeah, cool. oh, yeah this was like peak 90s yeah this was the one oh, this was the one in boston uh so uh yeah this was i don't yeah this wasn't the one with uh this was the first one where they had fox tracks the oh, blue sure. puck. so there you go <laughs> but this was not that one the next there must have been the next one then that was in yeah the 97 one was in san jose that was the uh the owen nolan calling his shot against uh, Dominic Hasek, uh, which is like the greatest moment in all-star game history. But uh, yeah, Matthew Schneider wasn't, an, was an Islanders all-star. So there, there you go. And he was an Islander and he, he was a good Islander too. And you know, he's a guy, my, whenever I think of Matthew Schneider, I always think of the Kirk Muller yep. trade and how they made that trade. And you know what? They got Matthew Schneider too. Don Maloney did. And only two of the, only one of those guys showed up <laughs> when the time came to show up and it wasn't Kirk Muller. It was Matthew Schneider. And, uh, yeah, I think he wanted to be an Islander. I think he liked being an uh, Islander. He was born in uh, the city, was, I think. And I, what's interesting about it, yeah, he is the most wild trade tree in Islanders history, I think. Because he oh, was yeah. he was traded Definitely. two months later with Wendell Clark in the Kenny Anton deal. So and and right. they got a first round pick which turned to Roberto Luongo. So that trade tree is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's 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 wild Jeez. and it's all centered around Matthew Schneider. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because I remember, I mean, this was when I was in like high school and early college. And I remember him being a very popular player. Like people were excited to have him. You know, he was a good player. Like he was, you know, he had offensive skills for sure. But then you look and you're like, dude, this guy was only an Islander for 78 games. Like what the hell? <laughs> Seriously? That's he was, he was an Islander for less than, than a season. And it's like, wow, I just remember him being so popular. Maybe that, that team just didn't have a lot of like really popular guys on it. So it probably worked out that way, but that's pretty wild. So there you go. So Matthew Schneider, he was an Islander and a Kerry Haber favorite. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) This has been a lot of fun. Uh, It was very cool. Congratulations again to Mike and Emily on their, their wedding. Uh, Make sure you read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, PT Isles was out yesterday. Uh, um, Isles buzz was out earlier this week. You can check them all out. Uh, We had a new, uh, my favorite Islanders game was out this week. So listen to it, enjoy it, and then call the number. You have a week without Islanders games. You have the time. The number is 646-980-8857. Call and tell us the story of your favorite Islanders game. There's a great story in there about a guy who, you know, became an Islanders fan for strange reasons, and then the Islanders kind of in a sort of roundabout way helped him find his his birth mom, and it's a, it's a really great story. You should check it out. And then call us with your favorite story, 646 646- Nine eight zero eight eight five seven. Are you working on anything coming up soon? Are you going to take the week off and chill? I, I for one, am taking the week off by reading a book about Stan Lee that a friend of mine gave me for Christmas. <laughs> That's my my hockey vacation. Are you taking a hockey vacation? Or are you no, I am. I'm taking this week. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of games, man. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot, but I, uh, I am working on a couple of things. A couple of people had some really great questions for me on Twitter. So if anyone does have any, please feel free to reach out. I do like to write about uh, things that you know, people have interest in. So um, once things kind of settle back and, you know, the team's back practicing and stuff uh, should have a couple of things uh, ready to go. And, and tell, please tell us your Twitter handle. Oh, at Haber metrics. 
at Habermetrics. Carrie's always on there. If you have a question, ask him. If you have a question about like, you know, understanding, hey, what what's the deal with expected goals for? Or, you know, what is shooting percentage? Ask him. Like, just always ask because he, he can explain these things in a, in a very human way that some people in the hockey Twitter sphere really don't. So uh, he's he's great about that. And, you know, you never know. It might turn into an article and explain that, that to a bunch of other people. So thanks, Carrie. This is great. Really appreciate you coming on with us. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Dan. And uh, we will be back at some point, I guess, next week. I don't know. We'll see. And uh, we'll talk to you then. All right. Enjoy the All-Star game. Bye-bye.